Hi guys, my name is Kalen. Hey, I'm Delmas. This is Pablo. This is Jabir. This is Kevin. Guys, welcome to the Third World Perspective. We are going to give you a Third World Perspective on all kind of sports. You name them. Beach, NBA, NFL, (laughs) Beach, F1, football. You name them. All kinds of sports. Yes. Thank you. Ciao. Hey guys, welcome back to the Third World Perspective. Welcome back to another episode. Obviously, we are covering the Euros for you guys. Um, we purpose to cover the Euros. My name is Pablo. I'm joined by Linus. Hello, Pablo. Uh, how's your day been? How's your week been? How's your Euros been? Man, I'm, I'm nice, man. Um, I'm fine. Uh, obviously, the Euros, has, as it has not gone according to plan, how about you? <laughs> <laughs> Mine is still on track, you know. The two teams I'm supporting are still in it, so I have nothing to complain. Yeah, because I know I know you have Denmark. Who, who else do you have? Belgium. Oh, um, yeah, Belgium <laughs> are crying out. I'm sorry to let you know. <laughs> um, Belgium are, are not going anywhere. Ah, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, okay. <laughs> yeah, but um, we'll, obviously we're covering the round of 16. Um, Wales played Denmark on Saturday, 26th of June. Um, obviously, round of 16, we've seen a lot of red cards, and this was one of the games that had a red card. Kasper Dolberg um, with two goals, Miley with one, and Braith White with another. Um, obviously, it was played at Johan Cruyff Amster- um, Arena in Amsterdam, um, one of the homes of Christian Eriksen. So, expectedly, there was a lot of Denmark fans in the stadium. Um, I think the projected amount of Denmark fans was something close to like 6,500, and it was almost 16,000 Danish fans. Um, Denmark came with a with a they they came straight out of the gate. They they had a massive performance, winning 4-0. I know Linus must be happy with the result. I know he must be happy with the performance. What did you think of the game? It was a good game. I mean, uh, I didn't expect that from the coach because. Denmark did start off with a three and then went into a back four and from there it looked like a different like a totally two different game, you know, with Christensen stepping up in midfield. And from there Wales didn't look anywhere close like they would match what Belgium was throwing at them, you know. Um him also trusting Kasper Dolberg to lead the line was a savvy move on his part. And so yeah, I mean Denmark are having a strong uh, tournament. I do expect, as, as I mentioned, I do expect them to see, I did expect to see them in the further stages. And now it's possibly looking that they could make a semi-final, maybe even a final. I mean, I wouldn't put it past against them. Yeah, you basically, you wouldn't rule out Denmark in this tournament. Obviously, Linus just mentioned Kasper Dolberg, who actually became the second Denmark player to score two goals in a knockout game at a major tournament. After, obviously, the great Henrik Larsen, who did so versus the Netherlands at Euro um, 1992. But another player that has um, stood out for me, um, obviously, with the, with the omission um, of Christian Eriksen, um, Mikkel Damsgaard has also been very impressive for the Danish um, side. 
Um, obviously, he has, he has in, been involved in seven goals in six appearances in all competitions for the Danes. Um, he's a man who is in hot form, um, assisted that first um, goal for, for Dolberg as well. And also, um, it has been a very disappointing run for, for Wales, man. Um, obviously, um, not, not most people, including the, including Linus, um, not most people actually pegged them to get out of the group um, in Group A. But they they actually pulled that out of their asses and they 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 went out of the group, advanced into the knockout stages, and they fell out spectacularly. Um, what did you make of Wales? Yeah, Wales <clears throat> really didn't look like they had a response to what Denmark was offering. Um, and as they went as one, just lost their composure. You know, you see that red card later on. Uh, you know, I mean, Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey were supposed to be their talisman players. They didn't really deliver much, other than the, probably the first 15 minutes. But like I said, after Denmark made that switch, that tactical switch, uh, Wales just looked out of it. Yeah. Wales have lost consecutive major tournament matches for the first time in their history. Obviously, they lost their, <laughs> um, they lost their last game um, in the group stage. And obviously, they lost at, at this point um, in the round of 16. They've also, they're also the first team to receive two red cards in a single edition of the European Championship. Obviously, that red card, um, they're the first team since um, Russia and Switzerland in 2004. So, these are actually records that um, Wales don't, um, they won't be proud of. Um, I saw Gareth Bell was very frustrated during the game. Um, it could have, it could have, it, it was just, um, it could be seen. And um, I think the, I think the atmosphere um, in the stadium was a difference for Denmark. Denmark obviously becoming the first team to score four plus goals in consecutive matches in European Championship history, which are just like massive records that that the Vikings would be proud of. Um, basically, it it is it is it is going to be it is going to be very interesting to see how Denmark um gone. Obviously, um they are playing the Czech the Czech who are in hot form. They'll play that on Saturday. Um, Saturday is tomorrow. Just to let you guys know, it's 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 Friday um, today in Nairobi. It's very cold. Um, it's not the same amount of um, cold that uh, the people uh, that the players are feeling um, in Europe at the moment. But it's very cold here. Um, Denmark play the Czech tomorrow. I think it will be the first game, so that will that will be a very nice um, watch to see how it goes. Um, considering the form that the Czech are in. The second game that was played on Saturday was the Italy-Austria one. Um, we had we actually had to wait until extra time to see goals in this one. Austria were magnificent in the first 90 minutes. Um, they only fell short, obviously, in, um, in extra time. But um, Leonardo Spinazzola was the man of the match. Chiesa had a massive goal, the super sub. Um, Pessina, um, adding the second one before Kaladzic actually um, pulled one back for Austria. Um, Austria, obviously, they have been commended all over all over social media for their fight. Um, they, have been, they have impressed, they have earned the respect of football fans all across the world. They played really well. They were just unlucky um, not to not to win the game. I think they scored a goal at some point and it was ruled out by VAR. Um, Spinazzola had a massive game as well. Um, Anatovic obviously had a massive game as well. He was, he was the unlucky guy to score that goal that was ruled out. Um, but Italy are now unbeaten in 31 matches, which is a national record. Um, 
I'll just I'll just let's I'll just speak about Aus- uh, Italy first before before we go to Austria. How impressed have you been by Roberto Mancini's side? Because there it seems like no one can stop them at the moment except Belgium. We'll see if that if that happens. But how impressed have you been with Italy? I mean, they look good, but if it took them 90 plus minutes to uh, get through an Austrian side, uh, probably you know you could ask questions about uh, the team. Although they do look good, I mean, introduc- introducing Chiesa, which I'm not sure why Mancini took a while to bring him into the game, really caused a massive difference. Uh, took his goal uh, quite well, and so yeah, I mean, they're strong favorites now, given that other big boys are falling off. They, they do look like you know proper contenders. Let's see how they'll shape up against a stronger side like Belgium. Yeah, Federico Chiesa, they are scoring a goal um, 20, 25 years after his dad scored a goal for, for, for Italy in the Euros as well, because um, his dad scored in, in 19, back in 1996. Um, also, Matteo Pessina had something, had a, had a quote that actually stood out for me considering Italy. He said, quote, I'm still trying to take in my goal against Wales. So imagine how this one feels. In this team, everybody can score and this is our main strength. We are a great group. Obviously, the amount of talent going forward that Italy have, they have players like Immobile, who is actually a monster in Serie A. No one bodies the Serie A like Chiro Immobile. They have players like Insigne, their captain as well. Um, other players, other players that can get goals, but they haven't actually gotten the ground um, running on the ground running like um, Belotti, Andrea Belotti playing for Torino. But um, Italy are looking nice, but obviously you have a point there considering Austria. But Austria are very impressive, and like Austria are, are a side that actually this looked to be very straightforward for Italy. It looked like a game that Italy could again win three 0 but they pulled up. They, they pulled up a fight, and in my eyes, it seems unfair that they they that they they actually lost out. And um, it just made me remember the point that you said the last time we were doing this this podcast. Um, the the substitution, um, the number of substitutions that teams have um, at their disposal. I think this was actually the turning point for Italy, and it was the determinant of the result. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, if you can bring in five players and you have a bench with the quality of Italy, you can change a game like that. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's yeah, it's it's actually it's difficult. I know David Alaba was almost. Um, it, it's difficult to take in the the amount of also the Italy are short. Um, it um Austria are short on on quality, but the amount of determination and like um the amount of basically coming together that that they they actually had in this game was um it was it was it was des- it was just desirable like um to want to have a national team that actually shows that much togetherness and that much determination that much fight um Austria are very unlucky um obviously like i just said Kalajdik um scored that goal in the 114th minute showed with the with the assist but it was it was just like almost a little bit too late because they went ahead and tried to press for another equalizer and forced the game to go to penalties but um Italy are, are a resilient side and we know their defense uh, those guys just live to defend um players like Chiellini so it was very difficult but the, um Italy Italy go um go ahead they'll face Dalma uh, Dalmas, they'll face Linus's Belgium. 
Um, Dalmas, yeah, I think Dalmas supports um, England. I think it was because he's a fan of Bukayo Saka. I think because Saka is the, is the I think the high-profile Arsenal player that is playing in, in the Euros. I don't think there's any other Arsenal player that is high-profile that plays. Yeah, but like we'll see, we'll see, we'll see how that turns out. Obviously, that game is tonight at 10 a.m. East, um, East African time. It's it's actually. Um, 9 a.m. Central African time for Central African um, listeners. Um, we'll see. Um, I, I, I have my, my money on Italy, but um, we'll, we'll figure out we'll figure out the Belgium problems, um, and then we'll review that game. But um, the, the, the the next game that we're going to speak about is the Netherlands Czech one. Um, that was a, a shocker. I am 100% sure most people did not did not expect this to go down the way that it did. The Czech came into the game as massive underdogs despite having won four of their last six matches against the Netherlands. Um they have now won five out of seven against the Netherlands. So they have and also they have they have also scored two or more goals in five of their last seven games as well against this Dutch side. And did, did, did were you surprised by by the fact that these guys were were, were the underdogs? Because um, according to the head-to-head man, they're, 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 they've been very good against the Netherlands. They have, in fact, been very superior. I mean, yeah. I mean, we did say squad for squad, they did have a better squad. And so, of course, uh, <clears throat> the Netherlands were favourites for this game. Although, you know, given the performances, uh, amateurish displays by Matis Delict, you know, you yeah. wonder now, you know, you wonder really, I mean, at a, uh, for a player playing at that level, who has played at that level consistently, I mean, you say he's young, but he has been a professional player since 17, 18. You don't expect yeah. to see that from from uh, from one of the uh, key staples in a side. You don't expect that to see, you know, someone who could be charted as a future captain for this side doing whatever he did. So, I mean, he really should hang his head and really think about, uh, you know, how he cost for the final. Because without that red card, uh, Netherlands was still in it. But after which, yeah. you saw, you saw uh, the Czech taking that extra match in the set pieces, obviously getting the first goal from a set piece scenario. The second goal was, you know, an incisive counter-attack where they still, uh, they exploited that hole that now, you know, the red card created but yeah i mean the czech have been have been superb this tournament uh the batman shake it could be a real thorn in you know in in, in a, for any defense so yeah 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 particularly for for matthias the lich the lich man that was that was shambles from him Um, like also like the 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 thought of the thought of the lift actually getting that red card actually um, brings up the 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 topic of Virgil Van Dijk. If Virgil Van Dijk was on the pitch, would they have, would they have gotten that red card? Are they missing that leadership at the back? So, um, but you're right, man. It's very it's very um, it's very um, unexpected of of someone that has played at actually this level for a long time um he has actually i think he made his debut for the netherlands back in something like 2017 so it it has been almost like four years um playing for the for the national side and um he has played at ajax played in massive important champions league games he has played in turin with juventus played massive important champions league games as well especially and finals as well and um 
yeah but basically that that red card um tore them apart they lacked that confidence and obviously the check um they they capitalized on that thomas hollish um holsh hollish is it pronounced holsh or hollish <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah basically man of the match um obviously scored the, his, his first goal in the 68th minute and um had a other parts to play in the in in Schick's goal in the 80th minute antonin barak obviously with the assist um for thomas holesh first goal but um this defeat makes three defeats out of three euro final tournament knockout matches for the netherlands this is how poor the netherlands have been basically they're very terrible in when it comes to knockout games and um excluding penalty shootouts they have won just one of their last eight euro final tournament matches knockout basically um yeah, yeah basically they, they need to take a look in the mirror because they have had massive generations because well remember the bug camp um generation um when when they, they were tearing it up in the eight, in the 90s and early 2000s um they also had a very good generation with van passi and like I and Robin and they also have a massive golden generation at the moment Memphis Depay with obviously Quincy Proms was not called up but like they have they have very good players with players like Gini Wanalda as well so um they they need to take a look in the mirror because they just can't perform in the knockout in the knockout um stage it seems but um we'll move from that and we'll we'll speak about um Linus's team now Belgium obviously I'm the number one ranked team in the world beating the holders Portugal in Seville Logan Hazard with the one goal in the 42nd minute um I was I was actually surprised to hear that Logan Hazard is 28 years old I, I thought he was younger than that. <laughs> I thought he was younger than that. but um actually the talking the, for me the talking point in this game is that is how um unstable and how um inferior Belgium looked because the the game was 11-11 uh, Belgium didn't did, were not one man down they didn't have a red card and um Portugal just dominated the game and they um passed balls in and around that midfield obviously Kevin De Bruyne was forced out but like um don't you have any any amount of um lack of confidence for for Belgium because um th- that's what that game did for me it actually proved that they that they're not the side that i thought they were because they were magnificent i mean the group stages but in this game they actually looked a little bit shaky i mean <clears throat> we did preview belgium and said the biggest weakness is their agent backline you know you see this game against portugal uh the three center backs had have a combined age of about 102 you know <laughs> and so yeah so which, which 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 is a real worry for any side but yeah. uh Roberto Martinez does know how to get the best out of his side he is he has this um he's tactically astute and knows how to set up a side how to negate you know uh the impact of you know maybe a Jota or a Ronaldo with with, a, with such a back line and so yeah i mean they know what, what they're good at they know where they're lacking they try and adapt game by game uh, and as long as you know you keep on winning doesn't matter whether you dominate a game in tournament football all you need is you know that single goal and don't concede i mean england have done that so far so it, it seems like a working formula so I, I, i wasn't too worried that they didn't dominate the game as long as they got the results and mm-hmm. if you can if you can squeeze out a result you're on your way to achieving something in such a in such you know in such in such a tournament 
yeah and um like obviously lena said in the previous episode that we did um if you guys didn't listen to the episode you can go back and catch that but later actually say that there's an art to tournament football and like um like Lena's just reiterated it's very it's very important that you actually um get results so it's it's not about the, the brand of football but um for me i think this is a different euros and uh, um i think i think players i think teams that actually dominate games um it comes with confidence because um the fans actually see the dominance and the fans actually back teams regardless because um it's very difficult and like you said um belgium have a very aging um, squad um they are starting 11 against portugal actually had an average age of 30 years and 148 days we know kevin de bruyne just turned 30 the other day i think th- this week because i think he turned 30 on tuesday i think it was um which is i, I was i was also shocked about that that de bruyne is 30 years old now um Togan hazard is 28 years old now eden hazard is something like 29 um basically this was this was their their oldest um the oldest squad in a game at the european championships and the oldest name by any of the remaining teams at euro 2020 so far so um basically this is like we said before this is the last chance to actually get a trophy uh, for this golden generation that they have roberto martinez has reiterated this um but they they have they have to do they have to do something um to make sure that that um they perform at these euros obviously with this win they equal their longest winning streak at major tournaments obviously winning five in a row for the second time both under Roberto Martinez they have now won 10 of their last 11 games across the World Cup and European Championships since Roberto Martinez took charge but um obviously it's it's going to be very difficult to to replace this Belgian side um whenever um the legends um retire but um the Bruyne's ankle injury and Eden Hazard's hamstring injury. I saw him pulling at his hamstring towards the end and I think he was subbed off, I think. And um it, both of them will miss tonight's game against Italy. Are you know I d- d- didn't you factor that um in your assessment um because I think I think that that will be a very big miss for them. I think they lack that amount of creative uh, that amount of creativity in midfield and from the left from the left flank. Yeah, I mean <clears throat> Uh, of course uh, Hazard and De Bruyne will be a big miss for them but they have players who can you know fulfill uh, those roles that are needed i mean the good thing about this uh, system is it does tend to be fluid so depending on who's on the pitch they'll play a certain way uh, you won't, so they may rely on maybe Telemans to be the more creative force in that sense of what about Kevin De Bruyne you know uh use maybe uh Andres Martins to be more direct in certain respects you know Trossard pr- probably playing like a second striker in this case so i mean when it comes to tactics i trust i trust that Roberto Martinez does know what he's doing and will find a way to cope unlike unlike uh Fernando Santos who who again i mean as much as we want to say you know Portugal were lucky Santos hasn't been convincing this tournament i mean the game against Hungary and Portugal how do you play you know how do you play two holding midfielders two defensive midfielders uh, in a double pivot against the Hungarian side uh sure you get the result but still uh people get to question such and i'm guessing this tournament uh, if anything has shown that if you are one of those 
if you are more of a pragmatic type of coach, uh, you might struggle and you need to adapt depending on a game-to-game basis, which Santos clearly has failed to do through and throughout this tournament. And that's, that's why he said uh, came crashing out at the round of 16. <laughs> yeah, obviously, Linus, Linus has, a, has a very harsh take on... Uh... It, it's not harsh. It's, it, it, it is reality. I mean, when you think about it, when you think uh, a player, talented player like João Felix only played 45 minutes of competition, uh, you know, why not have him on uh, and have him provide a certain directness you know, clearly frail backside. You know, why not choose Bernardo Silva as, as the most central players you do in Man City if you are worried that, you know, having him over the side might uh, weaken your creativity. I mean, you need to adapt. You need, you need, you need to adapt. You need to understand uh, how to get the best out of your side on a, on a case-by-case basis. Yeah, I, I yeah I actually actually see your point. I actually agree when it comes to Bernardo Silva and Joao Felix. Joao Felix has not played many games. Obviously, um, he was he came from injury um from Atleti, and like I think I think he had to be like slowly introduced into the game. Um, but like obviously the Bernardo Silva one, I I I, I think you have you have a point there because I I didn't see I didn't see him starting anywhere else other than the, and other than the right the right flank. But it makes it makes a lot of sense if, if he plays in midfield. But um, I'll actually I'll actually speak for Fernando, for Santos um, when it comes to the Hungary game. I think I think Cavallo has been very poor this tournament, and like I think I think there's, there's a problem with him. I don't know if it's injury because um, Pereira has outshined him, which has not been the case in the previous in the previous games that we've seen Portugal play. So um, I think he just wanted to give him game time and see um, what he has. Obviously, it was the, it was the weaker game compared to France and Germany. So um, I think yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll vote I'll vote for him there. But I think I think you I think you're you're right basically. But um, yeah, they, they they fell short on 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 basically tactics slightly, but. Um, I think I think overall the game the game was just um, unfair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying that as a Portugal fan or a Ronaldo fan, but I think I think the game was just unfair because Portugal actually hit the bar a, a few times. Um, Guerrero actually hit the bar, and um, w- despite the fact that that um, w- we were very good going forward, Jota spawned a lot of chances, which I I can't understand how how he starts ahead of players like Mane. But like Firmino sometimes in um, in Liverpool, but like Jota spawned a lot of chances for Portugal. Um, I think I think if Jota spawned, if Jota actually scores just two of the just like half his chances, basically we would have won that game. But like, um, it is what it is. Also, also Portugal started very poorly. They didn't have a lot of confidence. I think they they knew they were the underdogs going into the game. Yeah, in the first in the first like 10, 15 minutes, um, basically they weren't very direct. I mean the attack. Which for me just seemed like they weren't confident enough. It's, it's not like the games that we've seen them play against um, France and Germany or like Hungary. So, um, but the talking point that I'll, I'll just mention because uh, it has to be said, um, Cristiano Ronaldo is a legend of the game. Obviously, he's on 199 international goals now, um, five goals, and obviously the top scorer at Euro 2020. Uh, he will now have to wait to set a new international record. Um, were you looking forward to a Ronaldo goal, or, or was it just me? 
that was just you. <laughs> I was not looking forward to that. I mean, it could have scored his goals in the group stage, but not not in such a game. I was not looking forward to him breaking the record against Belgium. So no. Um, yeah, you guys know Linus likes Messi. Linus prefers Messi to Ronaldo. It's, it's, it's not a Messi Ronaldo thing. It's just. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't want him scoring against us. So, yeah. Yeah, but like for me, for me, I think I think I'll, I'll just be crossing my fingers, like just to like crossing my fingers to make sure that he, he ends up as top scorer. I hope Sheik doesn't score another one. Obviously, Sheik plays Denmark tomorrow, but like I hope Sheik doesn't score another one and like becomes joint top scorer as well. I hope Sheik, Sheik stays on four. <laughs> okay, we'll wait to see. <laughs> yeah, man. The, yeah, the game. The game that actually uh, my favorite game of, of Euro of Euro 2020 so far. I think. I think my second. Yeah, my. Fa- I'll say. I'll say my favorite because I'll say my my favorite game of Euro 2020 so far was the Portugal Germany game, and that was a proper game of football, like attacking football, basically defending. It was. It was nice, although it it had six goals. But Croatia played Spain. That game had eight goals. That game, that game was mad. <laughs> yeah, game, okay. yeah, it that was mad. Day, that, yeah, that game was just mad because there was also that France and Switzerland game. I mean, it was a good day of football. If you're a football fan, yeah. that was a good day for you. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Basically, if you if you like high scoring games, this was the start. Like basically, Monday was the day for you. If you liked high scoring, yeah, Monday. Monday was the day. Yeah, man. Um, this was actually the first time Spain have won a knockout match at a major tournament since they won the Euros nine years ago, back in 2012. Do you do you believe do you believe that? Like, I, I basically no one would know that this was actually a start. So if you told this to someone, someone would have said that you cooked this up from somewhere. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because we had that period that 2012 where Spain was just dominant. They would sweep away everyone. And so to see how far they've fallen, yeah, you'd be surprised. I mean, you'd be surprised to hear that uh, uh, Holland haven't qualified for um, major tournament uh, football in a while because you yeah. know you know the history that they have. Yeah, it happens when, yeah. when, you're, when you're good for a while. People yeah. do tend to associate you with a certain standard that you always have to yeah. deliver. Yeah, and like Spain, Spain have actually been the benchmark for a long, long time. Like, like you said, 2008, they won the Euros. 2010, they won the World Cup. 2012, they won the Euros again, becoming the first side to win it back to back. Yeah, and, back, uh, to back to win three international titles uh, in a row. To win the Euros, back in 2008, they won the Euros without uh, winning all their games. I mean, they were on fire, they were on a hot streak. and. It will be hard to replicate such a side. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, obviously, Morata actually came out that came out and said that um, the, the the amount of talent that they've that, they, that they've had before is actually hindering them because there's a lot of expectation. Which obviously there's a lot of expectation. It's Spain, and um, obviously, this Spain have obviously in club football they dominate Europe. In international football, they dominate the world. It's just what Spain does, and. Um, this game was actually the second highest scoring match in European Championship history after France versus Yugoslavia in the 1960 semi-finals. Um, this was actually a game that Yugoslavia won 5-4. So um, that was a nine-goal thriller in the in the semi-finals in 1960. We've had to wait 
50 years 51 to be exact actually we have to wait 50 years to to see um such such amount of goals actually reign um in the in the european stage pedri scored an, an important own goal um which, which actually made me proud <laughs> i think i think it was one of the best own goals i've seen yeah because <laughs> because actually um the bilbao goalkeeper unai unai simon he, he was he was terrible man he's, he's, i think i think the can actually control the ball better than he can because um i think if it's another goalkeeper that actually doesn't go into the back of the net but um spain didn't wait long Sar- pablo sarabia um paris saint german winger scored a massive goal um a very good finish as well as pilqueta put them in front i think um Ferran Torres um made, made, making the game 3-1 and like at at that point I was 100% sure that the game was over and done with and like um Croatia actually made substitutions which I thought wouldn't make a difference but Ostich came and scored in the 85th minute Vasilic scored in injury time and that forced the game to go to extra time Morata scored a very good goal a goal I think that very proud with i think a goal that mo- that most people that will actually i don't think it will change most people's minds concerning his finishing but it was a very good goal yeah i mean <clears throat> this game was just full of surprises you know you're thinking it's 3-1 uh almost 80 minutes gone you say you know that's the game yeah all of a sudden uh as we said osage comes in then pasalic with a late goal yeah. The game is, you know, especially when I saw Osage, given that he's the man who knocked us out of the Europa League. <laughs> uh, I was so conflicted because, because, you know, I mean, knowing what he, what he did at uh, club level, I mean, and to see him pull a, ba- a goal back for Croatia, which... Yeah, with Zagreb. Yeah, I mean, so eventually Spain did uh, run out 5-3 winners. Uh, Morata yeah. did have a did score a really good goal. Yeah, I mean, it, it had to be him to make it four three. You you, you figured it yeah, had to be did. him, not silence his critics. But yeah, I mean, very entertaining entertaining game. I wouldn't say any side deserved it more. I mean, the result that's that's for Spain. But uh, for most of uh, for most of the game, both teams did uh, put up enough. Although I think Croatia's midfield hasn't been as good as some people expected it to be. I mean, I believe it has been a letdown for them throughout the tournament. And not just this yeah. game, but throughout. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the, the the Croatia decision, the Croatia problem is um they, they they lack a very influential player, I mean Ivan Rakitic. Obviously him and Modric are different. Obviously Modric playing that um I'll say I'll say number eight role and Rakitic playing almost number 10 in a in a diamond um three midfield um i, th- I think i think they, they play really well when they play together and him him actually missing this tournament um i think i think it's it has actually been very difficult for them to cope obviously um Kovacic played in this one Kovacic has actually had the more i think I, I think he has had the most take-ons for croatia in this tournament but um Kovacic is not um at the level of um Rakitic. And also, I think I think they miss Mandzukic, that um, target man, because at uh, the the bad players play play at, um, at striker. I think um, I, f- I forget who played who played at, at striker for them, but like they've they've had multiple people playing forward, and it has not actually turned out that good for them. Mandzukic was very pivotal um, for holding the ball, scoring with the header with, with, with the head, and like. Um, I, think, I think they just lack those two important players. I think they lack Rakitic and they lack Mandzukic. 
yeah but um spain yeah, are the too. first eight they are gone i mean they do luck they do miss someone's kitch up front i mean they've been trying different combinations i think petkovic started uh you'd see and yeah, Petkovic, you know too. play centrally sometimes they try to bring in kramaric but kramaric does like to play more by the 10 yeah i mean uh, going forward they do need to find a, a a target man sort of striker to lead their line if they do want to yeah. you know uh, replicate the success that they had in the world cup yeah and also yeah and also like the um i think i think they, they need to address some some of the problems that they have within the squad because um i know marcelo brozovic um is a, is a player that actually most people might know of but like for me um he, he, was, he came into the game he was he was very poor and also the guy that played left back i i, I forget his name because he, he, he has two names um on, on i forget his name but he's, he's a bearded guy he had two games to yeah uh, he, he, he has two names and uh, he, he actually scored that that third goal which was which was absolutely shambles and i I, th- i think they need to rectify um some the problems that they have within their squad but um Spain are the first side to score at least five goals in two different games in a single major tournament edition since Brazil in the 1958 World Cup. So obviously Brazil scored 5-2 versus France in semi-finals and then um, versus Sweden in the final. Obviously France um Spain won 5-0 in the group stage in their previous game and then they, they scored five again. So basically Spain are catching um hot form at the moment and um Who, who do they play um Spain Switzerland yeah yeah the yeah, the first game today yeah obviously oh, yeah basically they'll play Shakiri and 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 the guys yeah, yeah I mean, um, although, like you said uh for that for that own goal i think i think simon was more at fault at for it i uh, it was unfair that it was credited to pedri Although Pedri is a really good player, I mean, when you think about it, you know, being an 18-year-old, uh, making your name in, in, in that Spanish midfield, uh, sure. Pedri will be one of those uh, world-class midfielders to come. Yeah, Pedri. Yeah, Pedri is a talent, man. Obviously, Luis Enrique likes him a lot. Obviously, with the ties there from Barcelona. Um, yeah, but like, I the the problem, the thing that worries me with Spain is that um, they they're starting to catch form, and like, yeah, if, if catching form is a phrase, <laughs> yeah, but like, basically, they're, they're starting to get into form, man, and like, this this can be very worrying because I can see I can see them putting putting Switzerland away. And um, I actually see them go, getting to the final, which is which which might not be it might it might not be very straightforward because Belgium versus Italy is um, that's that's also a very big one. And but like if 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 they get into form, I think I, I, I think I think this young side might just get get to the final. Yeah, but like um, let, let's let's quickly. Um, so let's quickly jump to, into France um, versus Switzerland. 
the second game on Monday. Um, this was actually a six-goal thriller. I uh, forget about Spain. That was eight. But like, um, this actually this actually had to go to penalties. Pogba had a very good goal. Benzema a brace, but um, Harry Seferovic actually scored the first goal in this one. A very good header, which in my mind I was wondering what Lenglet was actually doing instead of actually guarding um, Harry Seferovic. Harry Seferovic actually became the second Swiss player to score in consecutive Euro finals um, after Hakan Yakin in 2008. And obviously, that's a player who is in hot form for for, for, for Switzerland. But um, France set up in a 3-4-3 with Griezmann playing behind Mbappe and Benzema. Obviously, France are a side that are known for a back four. Um, a 3-4-3 was very difficult for them. That's why they conceded three goals. And actually, the two goals were, um, would actually raise eyebrows because um, most people would have expected France to actually um, defend really well and get out to the 3-1 win. But um, this g- the game was forced into overtime. Ricardo Rodriguez missed a penalty. <laughs> yeah, but France still considered three goals. And um, what what did you think of them setting up in a three for three? Because um, we know we know there are problems at left back. Um, Luca Digne had that injury um, in their last game, and um, obviously Lucas Hernandez as well miss- missing out on injury. What did you think of them setting up in a three for three? Uh, I think uh, the champs got it wrong. Yeah, the champs got it wrong. And the same, the same arguments I would make uh, against Fernando Santos that make against the champs. Uh, these two coaches are not are not known for their for being tactical, for being you know tactical tweakers. And so I guess when he saw that uh, that twist side, he decided, you know what, let's match them. Let's play a three at the back so we can match them man for man. Uh, which didn't work out because uh, they ended up considering two late goals which again i don't see why i mean you say fine they never had a left back but you could always you know play pavard on the left have a player like musa sisoko play on uh, the right back or even Toliso has played as a, as a right back at some point in his career you could always have a makeshift uh, uh, you know play to your strengths which when you have that uh, protecting uh, the two midfielders up, up, up front, then they do tend to be a dangerous side. I think uh, the champs that just thought, you know, you could have a team, doesn't matter the system, as long as you have good players and it will work, clearly it didn't work. So, yeah, I mean, Switzerland did deserve to actually uh, win this game, even how hard they worked for the result. Yeah, obviously, yeah, man. But yeah, obviously, you have a very, very interesting take on on makeshift players. But um, how long has it been since Tolisa has played right back? Because I think he played right back at some point for Bayern, but I think it has been several years since he has. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm saying, I mean, okay. <laughs> what I'm really trying to say is, France do get the do get the best out of their players when they play a back four when you have. Um, Mbappe and uh, Griezmann as white players coming inside. That's when they're at their best, and uh, the champs should have, should have capitalized on that. But uh, you know, given the circumstances, I get why he played back three, I, and you also get why it didn't really work out for him. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, obviously, um, he, he must have got it very wrong to actually concede two late goals. Um, I'm joined, I'm joined by by a, by, a, by a certain fellow here. Um, 
I'll let him introduce himself. He's a, he has just walked in. Um, Carlos, say hi. Say hi to the people. Hi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are you? I'm Carlos. Yeah. What do you do? Carlos is a student at Multimedia University of Kenya. He has just walked in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's saying, "Watch out, Fala." Yeah, but like, let's continue the pod, man. Obviously, I just a little bit um, trivia, but scored a goal in each of the last four major tournaments he has played in. He scored in the 2014 World Cup, he scored in the 2016 Euros, the 2018 World Cup, and the 2020 Euros. I'm gassed because he's scoring for his international side, but I'm more disappointed um, because we don't see these performances in Manchester. But like, um, obviously, there's, there's been a lot of talk um, because um, people are saying that he's being some supported really well by N'Golo Kante, obviously the defensive midfielder that that Manchester United actually lack. But can you can you make a case for, for Paul Pogba actually um, performing this well for the for France and not performing the same level for Manchester United? Because I'm, as a Man United fan, I actually actually I actually need someone else's opinion because uh, it's mind-boggling the way that this guy performs for France. I mean, like you said, yes. I mean, he works in a better system, a system where he might not be required to do as much defensively as uh, as he does in, at Manchester. But I think, other than the system, when Pogba plays for France, he wants to play for France. I don't think that's the same case at Manchester United. I remember the the uh, saga when his agent would uh, speak speak out against uh, his club. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. when when a player wants to play for his team, you get whatever you you get that, uh, such levels of performance from said player. Yeah, I, I actually actually agree with you 100% on that because that was actually also my thinking. It seems like he likes he is he, passionate. He likes playing for France every single day. I think he plays for the shirt. I, I I don't think it's the same when it comes to Man United. I don't know why. I don't know why Man United is such a toxic. I, I, maybe I do know why because the the the, the, the owners and and Edudwan Edudwan are very like shallow people. But like, yeah, it it doesn't seem like he, um he has that amount of passion for Man United as he does for France, man. But like, I'm um, good for him, man. But like, I'm um, sad for him that they, they, they actually crashed out on penalties. Kylian Mbappe missing out on that last penalty. Obviously, Mbappe is a very good finisher, but we have not seen him produce some, that same amount of finishing on penalties. Did you expect him to put that penalty away? Or were you like me? Um, I didn't expect him to score. I mean, he hasn't had a great tournament. He hasn't scored. He has assisted, and he has been um, a key figure for the victories uh, sorry, France have had. But he hasn't really lived up to what you expect, and maybe that's that's the reason why because so much was put on him. We forget he's still a young player, you know, 21, 22. He's still young. Uh, you've heard of careers breaking because a player is pressured. So hopefully he gets into the right mind state. He's able to shake this off and end up becoming the player we all know he can be or he should be. Yeah, yeah, guys are tw- yeah, guys are tweeting out that that um, Mbappe is about to have a, a revenge season, scoring 55 <laughs> goals in all competitions. <laughs> yeah, because I, th- I think I think I think this one will stick with him forever because um, obviously he's he's only like 21, I think, 
uh, 21 perhaps going uh, 22 or 21 there so he's very young but like but he's is a teenager that actually scored in the in the in the 2018 world cup final which is um you expect Kylian Kylian Mbappe to actually score every single chance he gets yeah but yeah you're right he hasn't had a very good tournament and uh, Mbappe is still Mbappe I think I think he'll come back and I I think I, I think at this moment um I think for for him it seems like for me as a person who is who actually watches him and I, I've actually been a fan of his since he had that performance against Man City while he was playing at Monaco I think um as a player he, he isn't used to being um perhaps um put at that pedestal a level that um he is the man for 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 certain teams and um I think I think the the situation with Karim Benzema coming into the side Benzema has actually took a little bit of the weight of him and like um Mbappe isn't used it seems like Mbappe isn't used to be to being called the favorite it seems like he has always been a player that um is used to fighting for everything so he was he, he was fighting with with Monaco he, he, was, he fights with Neymar to be the main man so like i think i think i think the the the, 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 the there have been differences in this french camp um during the euros obviously there's also that that feud with Giroud as well which we don't know what what what's going on we don't know what's happening but apparently there's a feud with Giroud but like he hasn't had a good season whatever whatever reason why he hasn't had a good tournament um, not season whatever reason um we'll just have to wait and see if it comes out or if it speaks yeah as you said i mean france have a tight squad uh, a great squad but when your players aren't working together then it's all for nothing really and so uh if the chance that does, does get to keep his job or whoever comes in will have to find a way to balance the egos in this squad yeah yeah like um Sergio, uh, not Sergio Perez but Florentino Perez actually <laughs> Florentino Perez actually said that um Zinedine Zidane has a desire to coach um the France national team do you think Zidane would be a very good coach for for the French Lebla Yeah yeah I mean he has played for them he has been a good player for them he knows how to win trophies what more do you want from a coach <laughs> Yeah man no one knows how to win trophies more than Zidane obviously breaking that record during winning the Champions League 3 seasons in a row but um one one of his players actually Ben who just mentioned one of his former players um this was his seventh time scoring two goals for France never scored a hat-trick but um very prolific as a goal scorer um Switzerland had actually lost all three of the competitive penalty shootouts before this game Switzerland I think I see I think France were just poor in the first half I think Switzerland were not good enough but like um they got a result like you just said um the point um to advancing in in basically tournament football is just basically getting a result and um we'll just quickly jump to England versus Germany because that took a lot um a lot of time England won 2-0 against Germany at Wembley um Raheem Sterling with the, with with the with the opener and um Tottenham Hotspur's Harry Kane with the second goal obviously his first goal of the tournament um I only have one question for you Linus um is is football coming home unlikely unlikely uh i i, I really don't like watching this english side because i yeah, want them yeah. to lose and they never seem to lose i mean you know I, for the next game i just want i just want uh ukraine to score against them you know at least at least because 
they haven't been convincing but they're getting mm-hmm. results and you know you get the results you can you get a trophy and and yes if i was to speak as a fan yes it, it looks like football is coming home i mean having made it this far not a, not considered looks uh looks like a recipe for success but i really do want them to lose i can't stand them you know watching them win <laughs> and even once i can't stand the reaction of their fans when they do win so yeah you, ukraine if <laughs> you know if any ukrainian players listen kindly kindly just cause an upset for this side yeah man yeah basically shevchenko yamolenko or the chenkos or the enkos man in ukraine in this ukraine squad that are playing man make sure that you guys actually get a result against england because this is the this is the only game that england will play away from wembley yeah and you know if if, if they do struggle in this game then we'll have to say it's the wembley factor that uh, Uh, if they do struggle and do actually win this then we'll have to we, we all have to say that it was because of that Wembley factor that home advantage uh, that uh, they were able to actually pull it off and so in my eyes it won't be a legit win as much as history might say otherwise but in my eyes it won't be if they do win this having only played having only played one uh, game away from Wembley Yeah man my net is bias but like let's let's go on um obviously Raheem Sterling had a very poor pass that um actually set up um, Thomas Müller Müller obviously the legend that he is a very good finisher um one of the best actually Germans that have actually seen play football and I actually to me the player that actually encompasses Germany like every every single time Germany I'm um, just the player that I'm thinking of it's Thomas Muller and like um he had a very good chance to actually equal equalize and like um level the game but he just couldn't put it away obviously it wasn't very far from the from the um right low post I think yeah I think yeah goalkeeper's right post um very very close to the corner but it just whistled out, um slowly passed um Muller actually said that this this will actually haunt him um for the rest of his life man um for me germany didn't play that well um especially especially considering because for me the benchmark that i actually put this, uh, this germany side going into the game was that was the game against france they played incredibly well they were unlucky to lose that game um the game against portugal they played incredibly well in that one and they won that one actually especially they won that actually very convincingly and um I was I actually expected them to go out on the front foot and actually dominate this game um they couldn't do that um uh, England actually capitalized I don't think England England um played terribly but they they, they played slight they played better than than Germany and deserved actually to get a result on the day but uh were you surprised by how Germany played because for me they were very poor yeah I mean if you remember that first half against France they were also equally poor they were slow with their passing but also they you know you're slow with your passing but you seem as if you're also rushing your passing at the same time uh they weren't quick enough they wanted to play through england uh they couldn't i mean england uh, Southgate did name a very defensive a very compact side uh yeah i mean and if muller scores that goal probably we're having a different discussion you know we're talking about uh germany ukraine uh, uh quarter final 
so I mean, sure. Uh, uh, it was it was it was Yogi Love's final game. Um, now Hansi Flick, we'll see what he can do with this German talent and how yeah. at what height he can take them to. Yeah, I think I think the German fans should be very excited, um, considering that Hansi Flick is actually coming to, um, to, at Diemannschaft. But like. Um, for me, the, the thing that was that actually surprised me a lot was that Joachim Lowe actually didn't didn't start such Gnabry. We know the amount of talent that that guy has, and um, we, we no one can understand how he actually got ended up at Arsenal in the first place. <laughs> but like um, such Gnabry is a very is actually a very good talent. Um, the amount of finishes that he has had from the from the right wing, I think he's a player that Joachim Lowe actually missed um, in benching him. Um, I think the, the, by the time he was coming on, the game was already too far ahead, and like um, it couldn't actually impact the game. But I think I think if 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 actually Serge Gnabry actually starts, I think I think the game the game ends differently. I think I think the game ends differently. I think England actually go home instead of um, football coming home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean that is football. Yeah, but yeah, but that's football. That's life, man. C'est la vie, man. Yeah. Um, Sweden played Ukraine. Um, this is actually the one game that I didn't see because um, uh, because the England Germany one was the earlier one, and um, Sweden Ukraine I actually didn't see this one, but um, I actually didn't fancy Sweden at all. And uh, I don't I, just for anyone who needs to know this, I don't like Sweden at all because of Victor Lindelof. But like Ukraine came out and played really well, winning the game two one. Do you watch this game because it it, it seems that I, this, yeah, I did, was, this I was an interesting game to me. It was it was fun, neutral, fun. It was uh, if if uh, if I talk about uh, I'd been unlucky, I'd say it was Sweden. I mean, uh, Facebook did hit the post twice. You you're thinking you know he scores any of those chances, probably they're in a better position. It was an interesting game, especially uh, to see how the coaches adapted to each other tactically, you know. Uh, Shevchenko uh, playing a back three, having Zinchenko who has not has been playing as a central midfielder on the left, uh, providing that, that cross mm-hmm. for the winner. And then uh, Swedish coach, I forget his name, his name is Kessin at the moment, uh, playing a back four with uh, almost Emil Forsberg, uh, like a winger, slash wide midfielder. It was interesting. It was, it was, it was quite the tactical battle uh, once you watch how, how each team reacts to the other. But I mean, I, I think Sweden were a bit unlucky. Though, given I didn't have a personal favorite, it was, it was a good game. It was a, an enjoyable 120 minutes of football. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, Zinchenko has been very impressive for them. And like, I think, I think, I think players, Man City players, and uh, obviously Raheem Sterling um, becoming, I think, the talisman for England at the moment. Man City players have been very impressive this tournament, and Zinchenko is, has actually been obviously scoring the first one and like assisting the second one. Um, do you think? Do you think? Um, obviously, Chelsea players are as well because Havertz has also been um, pivotal for Germany. But do you think? Do you think club football is is that important at the moment? Because back in the days, players like Paul Gascoigne, um, obviously. I think average players, not that bad players, I mean, it comes to club football. Do you think club football right now is at the moment the setting point for international football? Because it seems like players that actually play for very good clubs uh, play really well in international. Yeah, um, 
I think I think as a manager you have to see uh, what players play at what certain level. And maybe you you know you could use it as a case for a Southgate not selecting Jadon Sancho as he said. I mean, are you to compare uh, players in the Premier League in this case Bukayo Saka to Sancho in the Bundesliga? You, you know you might feel that um, Southgate might actually be of the opinion that uh, playing in the Premier League does uh, uh, you know does actually say that you are a more capable player at a certain level than playing in a different league, in a lesser league, such as the German Bundesliga. Yeah, so as a manager, even as a player, we feel that playing at club football at a certain level does will reflect how you play on the international scene in some in some capacity. Yeah, man. Obviously, Lena's just touched on Jadon Sancho, which actually brings me to the most exciting news I've had in how long have I been a man? No, I think I think I've had better news than this. But like in the past, perhaps three, four seasons. Ah! Manchester United have actually Jadon Sancho is coming to Old Trafford. Just like for you guys, yeah, Jadon Sancho is coming to Old Trafford. Twenty-one years old. Um, we ha- we actually have wanted him for the longest time. We wanted him when he came, when he came from City. Um, he chose. Borussia Dortmund, obviously, they have a better youth development program. But um, drum roll, man, the drum roll, man. Basically, the 21-year-old is coming, is swapping um, the yellow and black of Borussia for the black and red and white of Manchester. Um, I think the agreed amount is something like 85 million euros, which translates to almost 73 million pounds. Um, I'm gasped for this move. Um, we need we we are for a long time like starting the Euros. Um, I, I actually said that I was going to actually scout centre backs, um, C, um, CDMs basically, and obviously a right wing. I, I I didn't I wasn't worried about worried worried about that because it's all been in the tabloids. It's all been in the news that we, we were we were chasing Jadon Sancho. Fabrizio has basically covered this like better because he's the madman that he is, Fabrizio Romano, and um. It's, yeah, it seems like it seems like it has been a long time coming, and the, and the most the most important thing is that Jadon Sancho actually wants to play for Man United. He has been agitating for the move, and this is actually one of the reasons why we are paying less than they less than they wanted last year. Which I'm I, I'm more proud of. This is good business, man. Um, I think the, I think the, the the deal that he will sign will be I think five years, so perhaps we'll have Jadon Sancho up until 2026. Um, with the option of a further season. Yeah, do, do you want to react as a Spurs fan or do you want to react as a football fan? Let, just let me know which type of liners I'm getting. I have no reaction. I mean, uh, so I mean, we should. I, I will. We'll get to the transfer news maybe in later episodes. But for now, for now, my focus is on the Euros. I really have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But basically, yeah, basically, uh, but basically, I'm gassed, man. Obviously, I'm, I'm I'm always I'm always looking out for talent, especially especially European talent. But um, so far, I haven't seen any any anyone that has stood out for me at centre back um, or at CDM. Palinha that plays for Portugal is very poor. Um, I don't know I don't know how he gets caps, man, for Portugal. But like, basically, um, basically, basically, that's that that was the Euros episode for you guys. Linus, do you have, do you have anything else left to say, Linus, before we go? Uh, no, 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 no. I mean, I believe that's it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Predictions yeah. for Belgium, Italy. That's that's the only one I want to ask. Yeah, I want predictions. 
I'm asking for your predictions. I mean, I, I know Belgium will win. I mean, a lot of prediction Belgium should win. <laughs> One nil or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Let, me, yeah, let, me just, let me just get my pen because I actually love predictions in the third world perspective. Um, so the first game tonight, Switzerland versus Spain. Um, who do you have? I think Spain make it through. Yeah. Do you, do you have a, do you have a score line or do you, do you just fancy Spain? Uh, I just fancy Spain. I don't have a score line. Yeah, I think for me, I think Spain will win three one. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I think I'll get extra points if they actually win three one or if they actually score three points, three goals. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, the the, the late game one Belgium versus Italy. Who do you have? Obviously, uh, one nil Belgium. One nil Belgium. <laughs> yeah, for me, I actually have a I have, I have a two nil Italy in this one because i think I, th- I think i think belgium lacked the creativity that that they that they, they usually get with, with with hazard and uh and kdb so um i have italy 2-0 i'm actually while, while i'm speaking so you guys just bear with me um linus has belgium 1-0 yeah that's mad man i think i, I think you'll be very sad after tonight i think you'll <laughs> sleep a very sad boy uh, uh, i have faith in this side i have faith yeah, man. Yeah, I also I also like the system. I, I like like there's, there's, a, there's an entire documentary about how Belgium actually became the how Belgium actually work. I, I saw that. I, I like the way they work, but like I think in this game, Italy, Italy should win this one. Um, Czech versus Denmark tomorrow. Who do you have? Uh, four two to Denmark. Four two to Denmark. Yes, Patrick Schick scoring two goals and becoming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, becoming yeah. the squad of the entire tournament. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, this guys, this guys are very defensive, man. You think we'll have? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be an open game because, especially, if the other side goes one nil up and then the other side tries to come at them, then the space and then, you know, you've seen you've seen uh, unlike previous tournaments where you you really can't defend for ninety minutes goals are bound to leak so yeah i mean denmark have scored four goals in the past two games they could always set that run and move forward yeah for me yeah for me i think i think i think the the the, the romance i'm sorry because we have denmark fans listening to the third world perspective but like czech republic are a very good side i think i think i think i think they have been underestimated multiple times in this tournament i think Lenas is wrong also to, to underestimate them i think czech will win this one one nil i don't think denmark can put up four more goals man they, they had they had a lot of fun backing um in in amsterdam yeah in amsterdam i guess yeah um, to win, to win, to win that that one. I think I think the Czech will win one nil. I don't have. I, I don't think Sheik will score in this one. I think Sheik, I think the, the Czech will win one nil. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Ukraine, Ukraine versus England. Who do you have? Ah, Ukraine, <laughs> Ukraine, Ukraine. Ukraine. Two nil. Yeah, this one, this one is an interesting one because both of us don't want England to go on. Yeah, I mean, I'd say Ukraine. Uh, maybe even it goes down to penalties. Probably. Yeah. So, a scoreline. Uh, you claim on penalties. I really don't. I really don't have a score. It, it ends nil nil. Uh, uh, for much time, and then you claim you win on penalties. Five four. Wow. Four three on penalties. Something. Wow, man. Four three on penalties. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I I, I think I think also it will go to penalties, but I have England winning on penalties. 
yeah I, I, yeah i think i think i think at, at, at this moment in time um i think they'll struggle england um in creating chances and scoring in this one and i think i think they'll, they'll um ukraine will cover him sterling really well um they will stay, they have a player on the other side um in ukraine that actually plays against him sterling every single week um in training so i think they'll cover raheem sterling very well i think i think actually ken will, will will be a very good um asset for england in this one and i think england if they go to penalties i think england have much the better penalty takers than 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 ukraine so i think i think england will win on penalties um 5-4 i don't think ukraine will miss many penalties okay okay those are our yeah, predictions yeah, yeah. <laughs> that has been my prediction man yeah yeah we'll tell it this and compare and compare in the next episode man because i'm 100% sure that i've got i think at, at least three three predictions correct because i don't you as a shambles man belgium is not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, i don't okay, to win man i'll make you eat your words in the next episode then <laughs> yeah man yeah basically basically that has been the episode man man you can support the podcast um with as little as a dollar we have a listener support segment you can use google pay or you can use your i think credit cards as well but um support the pod man you can follow us on twitter at third world pod you can follow us on instagram at 3rd world perspective follow me on twitter at pablo iconero i'll change that I, i keep on saying that i'll change it but I, I, I i'm going to change it yeah basically um linus is not on the socials but um basically um any shout out so do you want do you want to shout out anyone um a friend and not on today's episode today you know <laughs> just tell like a listeners to keep on listening you know we appreciate yeah. that um those are thousand uh, that one k plays yeah. and we'll you know we'll try and bring out more for them yeah man one th- yeah, 1000 plays on the third world perspective over 20 countries at the moment um yeah basically shout out to you guys man thanks for listening thanks for tuning in for every episode um we thank you guys for listening um i think it's all, it's over an hour now it has to be and um we'll see you guys in the next one yeah bye yeah see you later